0: Everybody, I'm Brendan and you're seeing the next episode of Indie Film Spotlight brought to you by Production House 45. Today's guest Hans Augustov. And he's going to talk about his experiences in the filmmaking business and also his latest piece Before I knew. Um Hans, it's a pleasure to have you.
1: Thanks for having me, brother. I appreciate you asking me to come on. Of course. Um so what what got you into filmmaking? uh i never thought i was gonna be a filmmaker i wanted to be an actor actually my whole life uh and so (laughs) i mean i think that's a lot of people's stories maybe but uh yeah i i loved i always loved the arts in general right i loved music i loved uh theater i loved film but uh acting was the thing that i was into as a young person like from the age of six i remember like my first grade school play and then i started going out on auditions when i was a little kid uh, so i was really into theater and i had always written poetry like i was always like a spoken word poet and then uh i think i, I recorded one of my spoken word performances and a director that i was working with in my this is now at this point i'm in uh, jersey in my early 20s he saw it and he was like hey you're a good writer you should like write a monologue or like a one-man piece for yourself. And I was like, I don't know, I'm not a writer. Uh, And then I just took his advice and I did. I wrote what was originally like a little five-minute piece turned into a whole one-man show. That got produced a bunch of times and I saw that I liked the, the other end of the creative process, not just being a vehicle for somebody else's words, but like being my own story and putting my own words out there. So I wrote, so... After that, I decided, you know, theater is a very limiting medium as far as who has access to it and like how how uh, how many eyes can be on it. So I was like, oh, let me, I want to go into this, like the film world. And I just, how did I even, man, I, I just started writing short films. A friend of mine saw my one man show. He was in a band. They wanted me to, he had the vision to, and to say that, like you, I want you to make my music video. I'm like, I've never made a music video in my life. And, and, but it was an amazing music video at the end of it. You know, I, I was really proud of it. We did that. Uh, and then that kind of got me involved with some people that did video, did a bunch of uh, music videos and then got into like the digital content, like a uh, commercial space. Mm-hmm. And then uh, it was like, all right, let me do my thing now really and, just start making my own uh my own work uh and actually before i knew was like the first thing i've done since i came back from the commercial world really because i was just kind of working 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 and this is the first thing that i was like all right let me sit down write it do it it was already it was kind of already written but yeah so it's kind of been an evolution of how i became a filmmaker but i'm definitely i love the medium so Mm -hmm. now did you did you write uh before i knew during covid or before covid so before i knew actually is is a six-year-old poem Mm -hmm. uh i i originally wrote it after um eric garner's murder and i put it on facebook with my baby picture uh and then um I just let it go. I just left it at that. People liked it. People shared it. I just left that what it was. And back then, I wasn't really involved in that much uh, in the film world at all. And then after Ahmad Arbery happened this last summer, after Ahmad Arbery's murder, uh, I felt just a strong emotion. And usually, that's what sparks my writing. Is whenever I'm very emotionally moved, either anger or sadness or you know love. Those are the things that usually spark me to write. And usually I write in poetry. It's usually the first form and then it becomes other things. So I was looking for the right words to say how I felt. And I was like, oh wait, I already wrote this. I wrote it six years ago when Eric Garner happened. And it was literally pretty much the same words. I just added some names because there's a part of the film where the names get told. I just added some names and then I posted it after Ahmaud Arbery and I said, this is the same poem I wrote six years ago. We're still in the same situation. Uh, I just added some names. And now since I had been you know, involved with people in film, a lot of people saw it who hadn't seen it the first time and they were like, hey, you should do something with this. And I was like, no, nah, it's just a poem. It's what it is. I'm gonna leave it there. Just enjoy it for this. And then Breonna Taylor happened and then George Floyd happened. And I was like, you know what? I think I need to do something with this. And uh, that's how that came about.
0: Now, what what made you jump from this just a picture in the poetry to the film? Like, what um, what was that final click? That you, I know you mentioned. Some people said you got do something with this. What was your final idea? Like, what made you make it into the film, and especially the way you shot it?
1: Yeah, that's a, that's a good question. Um, <clears throat> it was hard actually for me to figure out how do I translate this poem into a visual into a film a short film or whatever you want to call it a visual poem. And at first you know I was talking about different ideas right the, the, obviously the concept of it is about a black boy who doesn't realize he's black until he gets until all these cer- cer- certain um, situations happen. So I wanted to highlight a young black boy and then I was thinking of different things visually to do with that. And I couldn't really put my finger on it. And then I went back to basics. Whenever I'm confused or lost or like don't know where to go, I kind of go back to like, okay, what's the root? What's the basics? What's the root of this? And the root of it, the simplicity of it, the beauty of it was my baby picture, right? That's all I did was the poem and the pictures. I said, okay, so this this visual has to be about the picture and the words. So uh, if I had done too many visual things, it would have taken away from the poetry. So I, I wanted to highlight that <clears throat> with very simple, uh, you know, men telling the, the, the saying, reciting the poem. And then I wanted to keep the concept of the baby pictures, but then also illustrate the fact that it's not unique to my own uh, experience, but that all these Black boys, all these Black men have had that same experience. So I asked... I just asked my friends. I asked family members. I put it on ran, on Facebook. Like, if anybody randomly has baby pictures or childhood pictures of themselves or of family members that are men or boys, then send them to me. And then people having had having seen the the the, the poem were very excited to do that. they were like, "Oh yeah, I don't know what you're doing, but i I'll, I'll send you some pictures." And then uh, so that's how I decided to go that way. Yeah, I mean, it's a, it's a very powerful.
0: Um, visually and also with the poetry. I mean um, the words speak louder than the picture but the way you developed both each individual um, person speaking it from the heart it really it just it it blew me away. Um, Now you said these
1: were friends of yours a lot of the people in the film? The men who uh, recite the poem are all friends of mine. Uh, They happen to all be creatives also. John Laster is a comedian. Uh, Patrick Dauger is an artist. He does a uh, beautiful, beautiful uh, Afrocentric art. He's like featured all over the place. Uh, Drew Dowdy is a comedian of Is a comedian. Uh, Rashie Taylor is an actor, and and Alvin Armstrong is also a um, he's a painter. And so, but they just happen to be friends of mine. Uh, and I was like, hey guys, I'm doing this thing. They really didn't even know what it was. What it was, but I said, "I need you guys to come and just say something." They're like, "All right, cool, whatever you want." You know, it was <laughs> kind of a thing, and uh, it was very powerful um, when we were filming it. Uh, you know, it was <laughs> it was actually the day that we went into um, the the, curf- the curfew in New York was implemented. And I had looked it up actually, the last time that there was a curfew in New York was in the 40s and it was actually put in place because there were riots. So it seemed very, you know, apropos. There was like the energy was there for everything. Uh, And so I told, I'd said that to um, the actors, you know, my friends when they came in kind of just to set the tone. And um, I also, I mean, it's a long poem, right? And I also didn't want them to have to worry about memorizing the lines and then kind of reciting them in a way where they were worried about the words. I wanted it to be more about the emotion of each sentence. So I was like, I sat down next to the camera and I was just feeding them line by line, you know, every couple of lines. And then I'd be like, okay, let's stop. Let's take just this line, just this line, just this line. Because I knew I was going to cut back and forth anyway, so it didn't have to be you know, fluid, and I allowed them, you know, I didn't have to give them many directions, many, much direction or many notes, you know, they are all Black men, obviously, and, uh, you know, it was, I mean, it was in the middle of, while the protesting was happening, in the middle of coronavirus, so the tone was already in the air, and I kind of just let them speak their truth through my words.
0: mm mm-hmm. And it really, it it shows, I mean, it's a beautiful piece. And if you guys haven't seen it, I'll put a link in the bottom, check it out. It's a beautiful, and now, now with that, you, you put this team together. It's like you said, your friends, um, compared to other indie filmmakers, people kind of making their own stuff on their own. How hard was it to get, like, it was, it wasn't too hard reaching out to these people or putting this crew together. Like who was the crew as well?
1: Okay. So, um, the crew actually, um, are fr- are people that I've worked on other sets on on other sets with you know like I think you know a lot of uh... so I, I I'm on set you know me as yeah, like yeah. PA second 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 AD stuff like that and a lot of people say like don't don't become an AD because you won't become a director but like honestly my yeah. because I'm on set with crew. I feel like I have a different connection than someone who's trying to direct and who has never worked on set as a as a crew member. Mm-hmm. So like I have sound people that I know, I have gaffers, I have grips, I have uh, cameramen, I have PAs that I just know from relationships on set and who I've you know who I know are trying to make it also. And so I just started. I hit up um, Alex was the DP. I had he's actually he actually worked. On a, on a, what was it, a feature that we were working on, and he was gaffing, and we just got to talking, and he was like, yeah, you know, I'm actually, I'm actually a camera guy, I'm actually a DP, but, you know, I got for money, and I was like, oh, let me check out your stuff, and I saw his stuff, it was beautiful, and I was like, in that moment, which was way before I knew I was going to do this, I was like, we're going to work together, you know, like, I, we're going to work together, I, you know, we're going to help each other out. You, you, what you do is great. So that was my DP, you know. And he just he saw the poem again, and he was like, "Oh, I'm so honored that you would ask me to be the one who shot this," you know. And he did it for free. Um, my sound guy, again, someone who I worked with on a couple times. Just a cool Paul Paul um, Gibek, was Gibbeck or Jibbeck I've never actually asked him how to pronounce his last name, but but Paul, he's my boy, you know. Like he was he saw me coming in as a PA and he gave me some really good advice as a PA because he saw how I worked. And he's like, listen, man, I know you're a PA. I don't know what you want to do, but don't tell people you're a PA. <laughs> he's like, just because they're only going to see you as a PA. Like, you know, whatever you want to do, tell people that's what you are. And he always, always had my back. And I was like, yo, Paul, I, you're a great sound dude. I knew of his work and we were cool. And he was like, yeah, man, please, what do, what do you want? And then. um those were the two main pieces, because, I mean, it was COVID, first of all, so I, I, we didn't want 12 million people on set, so, and uh I, it was also a simple piece, a one-day shoot, so we needed good sound, you know, and the location, again, was a friend of a friend who had seen the piece, and they were like, how can I help you? The editor, editor is... Like amazing, she was. Uh, Stephanie was honestly like the best thing that happened to this feature to this film for me. Um, she's like a very very professional. Does like Nike commercials, Beyonce music videos, like that level editor. And her boss, somebody I know personally, and she was like, "Hey, uh, what do you need help with making this film?" I said, "I probably need an editor." She's like, "Okay, I got this uh, woman of color. She's great." I'm gonna link you guys in together. And we just clicked, she got it. She knew what I was trying to do. She was moved by it. And again, uh, she worked for free. Like the the money, the most money I spent on this feature, on this this short was craft services, you know, lunch for everyone and transportation because it was COVID, you know, I didn't want people to take the subway and stuff. Mm -hmm. And that was it, that was it. Everyone else, and then the post-production sound guy was a recommendation from Paul. And he actually is cousins with Elijah McClain. Oh, wow. And I didn't know that until after the whole, until after he said yes, until after, I think he had, he was almost done with his work. And I saw his Facebook page and I was like, "You wait, because he said, oh, my cousin, Elijah, is gone through the and you know, and I, and I was like, wait, your cousin is Elijah McClain? He's like, yeah. And he never told me that. He had told me like, oh, my cousin actually was involved in a case where there was um police he was murdered by the police and i was like oh man you know another name you know but i didn't ask him who it was or anything like that and then it came up later on and you know it just goes to show that the you know all the yeah. people all into plays. i don't know it was just meant to be right yeah i mean it seems
0: like everything was kind of set for you you know it kind of all just happened perfectly well i don't want to say perfectly because it's an unfortunate stuff going on but Mm -hmm. i mean it just it adds to the power and passion that is in this piece and it's there like i think that's what really takes it off the ground now you've entered in a few festivals can you talk about a little bit of that process
1: yeah i mean i was new to that whole process you know i um just uh film freeway is everyone's oh, <laughs> film freeway is the best thing. You know, I I uh I looked around and saw like, you know, what the process is or like what I should do, who I should submit to, who's too big, who's too small, like is Sundance gonna look at this thing? You know, um and uh luckily for me, so I went to a New York Film Academy here in New York. Luckily for me, there's like a person on staff who helps. Uh, students or alumni of new york film academy take their like thesis films to um to festivals and so i didn't reach out to her but someone from new york film academy saw my short told me like yo this needs to go to festivals i'll connect you to our person that does that and so she gave me some really good advice you know she said um you know really categorize she like I had this whole questionnaire she had me fill out, like categorize what the categories are that this could fit into. What are the regions in the world where you have either where you're from, uh, where you live, or where you have family? And then, you know, those let those be target areas. Uh, and then, you know, it's, it's very, it's uh, the subject matter is, you know, uh, Black Lives Matter, uh, social justice. And then, also, there are short film festivals. So with all that in mind, it kind of lets you help helped me like dwindle it down. Um, you know, everyone wants to go to Cannes and freaking, you know, everyone, <laughs> uh yeah. Toronto. But there's but there's so many other, there's like three tiers. There's like the, the, the first tier, which everyone knows, there's second tier, which are good, uh, and that have less maybe um Popularity, but are still very valid. And there's third tier which are like more regional, but that also help just for the like the 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 uh, like sellability of your of your of your project. You know that that a lot of she said a lot of people who are first coming into the industry who are you know their first films and stuff like should really concentrate on those small regional ones that give you kind of like the name and that allow you to say like oh I was in these festivals. And then there's also a lot of bullshit. There's a lot of- There shit. is. There's people yeah, that keep their money.
0: That's a big thing too, especially with film festivals. It's the ones that, the, I always, I was always told to look, see how long they've been around, mm-hmm. uh, how much money, and just, it, it, it's a thing. A lot of them are just, they. it's so easy to make a film festival and be like, hey, give me this money and then you never see it again or you don't get like an award and it's like oh you know there's so many categories it's like oh everyone would, you know it's crazy and that's something that's definitely a big thing when it comes to filmmaking especially when you're you're coming from the indie circuit it's just finding the right film festivals and getting your name out there the big thing everyone thinks you know let's rapid fire into all these different festivals you know the more the merrier but they don't realize how much money it costs for each, like just for one category, I know from um, entering some of our films, it's like 50 bucks, 60 bucks, depending on if it's late or not, you know, it's like 70 bucks if it's late or early, you know, you got, you always try to jump on those early bird stuff. But a lot of the time, you know, if you're not on Film Freeway looking at this stuff or getting notifications, you don't know on this stuff. But like, again, like you said, Film Freeway is definitely a, a great tool. So if you guys aren't using that already, check it out. It's free. You get to make an account and from that account, you can actually upload your projects. and just makes everything so much easier. It's so much simple. Um, And I believe they have, like, a gold account where you get, like, some money off or something. But yeah.
1: I, I If you're going to submit to a lot of festivals, get the gold account because it, it adds up. It, it the, does.
0: The discount is definitely worth it. I mean, I think just from – we entered, like, five – one film to, like, five different film festivals under a few categories, and it was close to, like – 250 300 just for like those few and that we were aiming just for the lower ones i mean there are some that are like it, it's like a hundred bucks just to enter and like they might not even see your piece i mean unfortunately we didn't make it into any of those that's you know 200 gone yeah um, and think, i mean there's three of us in production house 45 so it's you know it makes things a little easier but for you i mean you funded the whole thing yourself and like you said a lot of the money went towards crafty and you know getting your guy your, your people there Yeah, and another aspect that people don't realize that it's not just that day of shooting; it's what comes afterwards.
1: Yeah, that's why uh, most you know bigger budgets or you know when you have a live producer and all that they they take into consideration if when you're raising money to raise money for marketing and film festivals because that's a that's a thing. And uh, luckily for me, enough people, you know, some people saw the the short. And I just did a GoFundMe. I was like, mm-hmm. I'm trying to raise $1,000 to send this festival to, to as many festivals as possible. And I raised $2,000, actually, in like a, a day. It was like wow. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so, you know, don't be afraid to ask. Definitely think of that before the film. Like, that's part of the budget is like, we want to send this to film festivals, if that's what you want to do. You know, if you're not, then don't worry about it. But it's a thing. It's definitely a thing.
0: Yeah, I mean, like I said, that's a very that's like one of the last things you think about. You're like, all right, we shot this. All right, let's enter it to some film festivals, and then that's a whole nother basically budget you didn't even think of. um So definitely, that's definitely a tip. You know, make sure you guys keep that in uh, the back burner. You know, especially when in pre production, so just so you know, especially if you're trying to raise money. I mean, a lot of the time it's coming out of your own pocket. I mean, a lot of all of our shorts that we have done have either been for free or out of pocket. You know. Um, that's a big thing Uh, especially you know I I feel like the outreach that you got I mean I I saw the GoFundMe you posted and it was it was just incredible the amount of people that you know has donated like you said in a few days you've gotten two thousand dollars yeah you know it's crazy like it's definitely a tool you know GoFund I know a lot of people are scared to crowdfund because you know it's a lot of times it's, it's your friends and family and especially being a filmmaker, any artist really, it's like, Hey, go check out my song. You know, blah, blah, blah. Hey, go check out my film. Can you donate
1: some money? Um, but, but I mean, like at the end of the day, you know, if you believe in your project that much mm-hmm. and what you want to do, like that's kinda, that's how this industry is. The ma- major budget, you know, $400 million projects, like there's always asking for money involved. So get, Used to asking for money, this is what it's gonna be. You're never gonna be always able to pay out of your own pocket unless you want to like drive yourself crazy you know and then there's people out there who literally who want to see who have money who want to see struggling artists create you know and especially if they believe in your project you know my project was one that that hit home to a lot of people and people believed in they'll support you know i I believe me, I hate asking for money. I'm bad at it. I, I I feel the same way. I'm like I don't want to bother people. This that. But then, you know, I just believed in it so much that I'm like, you know, I'm gonna put my my ego or my my pride aside and just ask. And people are people are gladly give give money. You know. Oh yeah, it's crazy.
0: I do because I mean, when you like you said you, all, the worst you could do is ask, and if you get, you get something or you don't. Um. Now with that being said, with the the festivals, I know you got nominated for a few. Do you want to talk about kind of that process as well. I got into for the fact
1: yeah i got one i got into one festival and not, uh and was nominated for i think it was best experimental and best sound uh design uh yeah and I didn't get any awards but you know it was great just to be just to put the laurels on the on the cover and then uh most of the most of the festivals i um applied to uh submitted to. I'm, uh, I am will hear back from them in January, February. So that's when most of the decisions will come in. So maybe, you know, follow up to this crossing and I'll be like, yeah, I'll be crossing like. My
0: finger crossing my fingers for you, man.
1: Yeah, but funny enough, like the first couple festivals I had submitted to was before I met with that person from New York Film Academy. And she helped me a lot in this. And when I raised the money, like exactly where to put it feel like it was very much a crapshoot with the first one. It was like, Oh, that sounds good. That sounds good. And now I feel like, okay, this is a better chance. You know, like you have to look up, like, does your film fit with kind of the, the theme of the, of the festival? Some, some festivals are more experimental. Some festivals are nature, uh, Themed. Some festivals are black themed or whatever, and you know, so it 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 saves you a lot of money if you're just putting stuff out wherever. You
0: know? mm-hmm. Yeah, I know because, like I said, that's a like that's a trap that a lot of people fall into is just sh- shooting off, you know, to all these things. And just, a lot of people don't look at the fine detail, you know, if it's not a lot. Of, and it's crazy to think about, but there's a lot of festivals that are themed, you know, and like you said, if it doesn't fit, you're you're out of luck. You're wasting money. Yeah. Um now um f- film film uh, aside what what do you want out of this what what is your 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 main what what was like what do you want the world to f- see after seeing your piece ah
1: uh, what i want what i want people to understand and i've i've i'm proud to say that I was successful at it because a lot of people came to me afterwards and said that is that you know we are inundated with images very violent and aggressive images of black people being murdered black men specifically most of the time and it seems like it's the extreme case right but what I wanted to convey in this film was that the pain that we feel is not only felt when someone gets killed by a cop, like it's the little things every day that we deal with that you don't see that I think about, that I feel that really affects me. So a lot of people, I mean, I can, 90% of the people who saw it, they told me they cried or I saw them cry. And, and most of them were not black. You know I mean? There were a lot of them were black, but a lot of them were white also or non-black and a lot of them were just like, I didn't realize. You know, I did these are the things I didn't think about. You don't think about the band-aid not being the color of your skin tone. You don't think about, you know, your boss at a restaurant calling you this, or all the little things that you have to deal with every day. Like that's gotta be so painful. And that's what I wanted to convey in a simple, not violent, not aggressive, you know, crazy way. It's like so attainable. It's so there. For everyone to see, and so that's that's what I want people to understand. Really, is that it's not the major things always only that give us pain. It's the daily work of being black.
0: And there's a lot of things that you that you said in the in the piece that, like you said, I I didn't even notice. I mean, I'm I'm a white male, so there's not a lot of things. You know, I don't have these things on my mind. You know, when I you know, like you said, with the bandaid, I never even thought of that. You know, I just I thought of a aid as a bandaid, but. It's, it, it was, it was very, it's scary to say, but it was very eye opening. Like it's these things that you think you should, like you, 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 you think to yourself, and I was like, I should have known this. This is something that I, it's right there in front of me in these little things. Cause everyone I feel like is focusing on the violence and everything else that's going on. It's kind of, the, and they're forgetting about the little, little things that happen every day. It's not just this one time. It's not the just the multiple times someone's been killed. It's literally every single day yeah. black men and women face these and it's 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 crazy. And I really like your your piece, I think, opened not just my eyes, but a lot of people's eyes. And I think that's what's so powerful about it. I mean, it was I don't, I don't even know how to explain it because it was just, it was very moving. And I I think I'm hoping this goes, I mean, I hope to see it in Sundance, or, you know, some, some big festival. Cause like, like we were talking before this, you said some people in London were even seeing it, you know, it's, it's getting, yeah. it's getting out there.
1: Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Definitely getting out there. I, 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 you know, I didn't do it. I actually didn't do this project for the festivals and which, you know, I released it online, which is a kind of a faux pas when you want to get into the bigger festivals. They don't want it online at all. So that kind of eliminated me from that. But I really wasn't going for that. Mm-hmm. But, you know, we looked at the rules and this and that. And, like, there's some festivals that you can, it works out if it's, like, a web thing. And so there's, there's ways around it. But, uh, you know, I just have a feeling the one right person is going to see it to have it be shown, seen for everybody. The The goal of the thing was just to have it be seen by as many people as possible. It wasn't to get any kind of accolade or mm-hmm. recognition or anything, yeah. I mean,
0: yeah. <laughs> it only takes one person to see it, to, you know, make it big. And that's a big thing going back to like the connections and stuff. I mean, working on a film set, we, we see people, there's like always something going on on the side, you know, like you said, the gaffer is actually just doing that for a living, you know, like, you're PAing and doing second, second stuff, but you know you're filmmaking. You know, I mean, it, it's 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 so crazy the amount of people you meet. You know, and I think it's a big thing that comes to filmmaking. It's really the networking, and you know, it saves one, saves a lot of money of crew. You know, I mean, we we recently shot a little short, and it was basically for free. We had, we you know, we paid we paid the actress because we just felt like that was they brought their talent. The rest of it was all our equipment. You know, we rented the equipment and everything. Um, and it was basically uh, my two buddies in their apartment just because, you know, you got to do what you got to do. But it's 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 just crazy the amount of networking and just people you meet every day. Um, and that's a big thing. That's a big thing. Um, so what who kind of like inspired? Was there a certain person that inspired you Is there like a director you look up to or someone in your life that you look up to that kind of, you know, points you in the right direction when it comes to this kind of uh, creative uh, uh, thought processing processes?
1: Uh, uh, I, you know, I, I, like many of us, are inspired in a lot of different ways by a lot of different people. I wouldn't say there's a particular director that I'm like, oh, I want to be like him. But there are uh, there are a lot, right? I, I, I like, I, I have a tendency to like dark psychological, Weird things, so I love like uh, Darren Aronofsky, for instance. Which my film is not like that at all, yeah. but, <laughs> but but I, I like Darren Aronofsky. I like Steve. I love Steve McQueen. I love how he's patient with the pace of his film. I, like it forces you to stop, you know. And uh, I love that. It's very not American because Americans are like cut, 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 cut. Oh, actiony, like explosions. <laughs> I love that he holds the, I just he holds it there and you know some people can't stand it or you know or aren't patient for it but there's a reason for it you know and um I uh uh Michelle Dandry is great um and I mean Spike Lee classic uh of course you know uh he's like the pioneer for the modern black filmmaker I feel like um yeah, I think those are majors, the major ones for me.
0: Um, let's see. What was I going to ask
1: next? Oh, Charles Burnett too. Charles, oh, Charles Burnett. Burnett. Great, great, great. He's all he's also very good at uh kind of just showing you humans without it being feeling like a film, you know what I'm saying? It's just like very simple.
0: You know now now with covid and um kind of all the shutdowns and everything you know we i haven't been on i haven't stepped foot on a set since march 14th or 15th actually the day it shut down Uh, i was i was working a gig and it was like day two and then they're like hey we're getting shut down for two weeks then we knew it was two weeks now it's like eight months now i can't believe i'm looking back at that and i'm like oh you're really thinking we're gonna be back in two weeks
1: uh, yeah, but the production I was on, they were like, "Okay, so we're we're shutting down, but we'll be back. Like, just pretend we'll be back Wednesday. We'll 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 be back Wednesday." And then even then, I was like, "I don't think we're gonna be back <laughs> on Wednesday. This was Friday that we shut down. Uh, God, now." Same. Eight months later, <laughs>
0: it was, it was Friday. I think whatever, I think it was, it must've been the 15th or the day before, but it was Friday because I remember we were getting ready to go into a weekend. I was um, actually unit PA in the city. Uh-huh. And I remember me and the other unit PA, we picked up the fans who picked up all the, all the, all the like cleaning supplies, all the stuff that we'll need for the year for the, the shoot. And I was, and they we're like, yeah, this is awesome. I can't wait. You know, I was after, he, he was a buddy who actually worked on, on an HBO gig and he was, he was a unit PA there. So I would, you know, I talked to him every day. We were really good friends. So I was, I was like, yes, I get to see, you know, you know, you, you, know, when you get on a job you notice it's like, Oh, you're working with a lot of old friends. You're like, Oh, this is going to be great. Yeah. Um, the food, you know, food is bomb. So you're sitting, I'm sitting there. I'm like, all right, I'm ready to, you know, I was, you know, it was right after the hiatus of the holidays and everyone, you know, trying to finally getting back, you know, it's like, all right, I finally landed that job after the holidays. Like, things are going to start picking up and I remember them I remember my one friend was like oh we're going dark and I was like oh my god and there they were like we were on um we were in the um right next to the Broadway stages so like you know when things when people in there shut down we're like all right that's right next door so we're like and then we shut down and then my buddy's like oh my other buddy's like oh we're still going and like they like went one more day and they're like yeah we're not it was like the weekend and they're like yeah we're not we're not coming back and then like all of New York filming stopped, and then all in the country stopped, and it was just crazy. I was like, I didn't think it was going to be real. Like, I was like, what do you mean there's no filming? I'm like, yeah. wow, there there's going to be no new new
1: stuff, you know? Yeah, yeah, but well, you know, it's funny, right? If we weren't in shutdown, I don't know if I would have made before I knew, right? I mean, mm. I mean, of course, because of DLM stuff but I, I feel like uh, as filmmakers we always have a way of finding things that seem like negatives and turning them into assets you know we always want to create I, I've seen actually a lot of great like quarantine films like there's a whole subject the oh, yeah. um, genre now called like quarantine films where it's like one room one camera let's make it happen you know like zoom stuff on zoom that's happening you know it's it's we're always going to be creating which is great uh yeah that's the one thing with art you know no matter what happens i feel like
0: artists they adapt you know especially like i mean the renaissance um a lot of great art came from dark places you know and yeah. i think this is just another unfortunately dark place a lot of things happening at the same time too i mean it, it we're we're at a bad spot we're at a bad spot and there's there's a lot of pain and there's a lot of healing that needs to be done and I think through art we're going to get there and I just think there's a lot of stories that need to be told through this I mean there's not one person I think in the world right now that's not hurting in some sort of way mm-hmm. and um, like you said I think the pandemic has just it's just another thing you know we adapt from it there's so many I mean there was so many I got like little Instagram pops ups, oh quarantine film festival and I'm like yeah I guess I'll I'll do something you know Um, I mean I we even hosted a little uh, screening because I was like we got to get we got to do something so we did like a a, a, a screening on Twitch we just had a bunch of people I was just like hey just send me whatever short films you got like just for exposure you know like and I'm hoping to do that again soon so I mean I would love to have some of your pieces in that as well
1: um, I mean
0: I I mean the big thing is just getting people's names out there and I think this is a perfect time because like for you, like you were saying, we were working, you know, I was working all of 2019, mm-hmm. gigging it up, you know, like one job to another. I never had a second to myself to actually think, create, you know, do some creative process. Cause you know, we're working like 16 hour days with like five hours, four hours of sleep if we're lucky in between. And I think as, as terrible as COVID was for the shutdown, I think it was, it was needed for a lot of people to just sit back, look at themselves, reflect on what they're doing, and kind of reevaluate what they're doing in life and also take that moment to like, just listen. Mm-hmm. And I think I, I'm thinking coming out of this, I'm hoping that we do a lot more listening and it, it, we just, we become more aware of what's going on and, um, you know, we, we see some progress. Yeah. Um, yeah. With that with that being said what what is some what are some words of wisdom you want to you want to bestow on everyone either coming in the film industry or you know filmmakers that are just starting out or people who feel like you know they're they got no hope right now cuz it's just
1: covid Um what would i say as words of wisdom Number 1 it is all about who you know <laughs> Like yes you have to have good stuff but Listen, I did not get to the places I got to without the relationships that I made on set. So let's say you do a short, a small little two-day commercial shoot that's like you've, you're not making any money and it sucks, whatever. Like, that. those might be the people that end up hiring you for the next thing, you know. And that's, that was my story, man. I started paying and, like, done commercials and stuff and, you know. And now I, I could have a crew when I need it for free because of literally just being nice to people on set. I was just like, hey, what's up, man? Get to know people. Get to know what they do. Hey, and you then, like coffee? I got you. <laughs> you know? Uh that's That's one. You're like, it, it definitely is about who you know. So get to know people, uh, you know, however you do. Be respectful and nice and whatever on set. You know, don't be the asshole. Uh, and also, you know just just keep i mean it's gonna be sounds cliche but just keep making art man just like just do it don't there's nothing stop. like you can take your phone and make a movie right we've heard that a lot like just go out and do it and literally that's what it is because i often when i'm stuck and like i don't know what to do or i don't know what to work or work on or create or i feel like i have writer's block it's usually because i haven't taken that first step of just doing something but then once I finally get to a place where like I do something, like I turn on my camera and go outside, then the ideas start flowing and then the things start moving and, and it, that's just how it works for me. That's just how the energy works, how it flows through me, through me. I can't sit down in front of a blank page and come up with the next masterpiece. I have to like write down three nonsensical sentences and then like two words in there will be like, oh wait, actually, what is that? You know. So just actually do it, just start it, just do it right now in this moment. If you're looking at this, do it. <laughs> <laughs> Hans, where can we find some of your work? Uh, I oh sorry. I have some stuff on my Vimeo. So vimeo.com backslash Hans Augustov, my full name. Uh, I, I'm bad at like the marketing myself. So I have to, I'm building a website. I'm going to do all that. Uh, I'm currently working on, like, I'm in post-production for this documentary I've been working on for years now. I, um, I, I was just in Denver uh, for this artist residency, and there's a beautiful project that came out of that that I'm editing. Uh, I'm writing a short. I'm writing a feature. So there's a lot coming up, and I'm just um, happy to be able to do it. Yeah, we'll have links to all of uh, Han's information in the video below
0: uh hans it was a pleasure having you on man it's always it's always great seeing you seeing stuff succeed in your life thank you so much for coming on and talking about this
1: i hope i see you on set soon oh man me too man me too thank you thanks brother